We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. It was a warm spring day on the Sea of Galilee. The waves were splashing gently against the rocks and the mountains of Gilead lay before Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus begins to climb and the disciples follow. Finding a vantage point at the top, they turn and sit overlooking the lake they had just crossed earlier. Now boats dot the lake and there are people beginning to gather on the shores below them. First it was just families here and there and and then it became tribes. And then suddenly the shoreline is blocked by thousands of people. It seems like wherever Philip looks there's just more people coming, more people and he, he rubs his head nervously looking at this crowd that's amassing, and they look a bit rough, and they're well-worn for travel. He's nervous, and he feels Jesus' gaze rest on him, and he turns to Jesus and locks eyes with him. Jesus, his voice serious but warm, asks, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip has a knot in his stomach and it tightens. He's asking me? Me? Uh, He turns toward his hometown of Bethsaida and he starts to do some calculations. It's about nine miles. Okay, um, it's gonna take a long time to walk and and then how are we gonna pay for it? I don't don't know. How can we even find somebody to bake enough bread and, and, and fish? Who's gonna catch this many fish? Well, where are we going to get this? I mean, the cost alone is enormous. And he looks back at Jesus and he catches this sparkle in his eye. And he says, Lord, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough for each person to have a bite. My name is Emma Adams and I'm so excited to pastor Hope Church And as you come in this morning, you get to encounter some of the same feelings as Philip. I mean, Philip is sitting along the shoreline and Jesus is turning to him, to him and asking him to help in this crazy situation. Philip was puzzled. Why was Jesus asking him of all of the disciples? Why wasn't he asking Judas? I mean, Judas had the money bag, right? Why didn't he ask Judas? But he was asking him and surely he knew that Philip had left his life and livelihood in Bethsaida to follow him. He knew that he had little to no money. He knew that that there was nothing that he could give Jesus. He didn't have enough. Not enough money, not enough time, not enough food, not enough. More than once in my life, I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't a good enough mom. I wasn't a good enough spouse. I felt like I wasn't smart enough to be a pastor, had enough to be a 
a good daughter. I felt like I was a terrible friend and I was never a good enough friend. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you felt like you weren't enough. Have you? Have you ever felt like you weren't enough? Did you ever feel like you would never be enough? When we encounter Jesus, we look at what we bring to the table and it is definitely not enough. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey this morning, I would bet, like me, that you have felt like you were not enough. You have felt completely inadequate. Yet, Jesus invites us into an amazing life. But the problem is that when we look what is in our hands, we hold absolutely nothing that can help us when it comes to our broken relationship with God. We don't have anything that we can bring to the table. We think about the problem we face and we think about what we can do and we just can't do enough and we always fail and we always fall and we always mess up. God knows we forget to read our Bibles and we didn't talk to Jesus lately and we just can't do and we're not good enough and that lady was rude and we just sniffed right back and it wasn't enough. And we, just like Philip say, we don't have enough and we couldn't get enough. And the truth is that in and of ourselves, we will never be enough. We can't do enough good deeds or follow the law or have enough religious practices that make things right with God. However, throughout the Bible, Christ, often in his own words, demonstrates that he is more than enough, more than enough for all of our needs, past, present, and future. More than enough. In the Old Testament, Moses goes uh, up the side of the mountain and God says, take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. And Moses is like, I, okay. Takes his shoes off. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to the Israelites. I want you to lead them out of Egypt. And he says, say, 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 say what, Jesus? Say what, God? Say, 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 say what? You hear me? I can't even talk right. You can't send me. I'm not the one. And God says, you are. You are. And so Moses asked him, who do I tell the Israelites to send me? How am I going to go up in Egypt and talk to these people? How do I, what do I say? Who are you anyway? And God answers Moses very clearly. He says, I am who I am. I am who I am. And you tell them, I am has sent me to you. I am. That's huge. The Israelites absolutely knew, and the Jewish community has absolutely known since then, they have unquestionably understood that when someone says, I am with authority, they're saying, God. That's God's name. That's God's name. The Almighty, the Most High, the Big Cheese, the Big Kahuna, I am. That's him. This morning we're going to solidify for ourselves who Jesus is and how we can honestly say enough is enough when we say yes to Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to write down in your notes this morning is that Christ is enough for your past. 
Christ is enough for your past. Jesus is enough to forgive you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Even you. One of my favorite TikTokers did the best skit ever. She's acting as a receptionist for heaven. I hope you've seen this. If you haven't, I don't know how to tell you to get it because I don't even know how I find these things on TikTok. It's a weird thing. But she's sitting there and she's acting as a receptionist for heaven. And she says, hello, heaven. And she says, yes, mm-hmm, that sin is forgiven. And types, oh, mm-hmm, that sin is forgiven. And then you hear, wah, 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 wah. she goes, I ain't never heard of that one. And she looks up to the angel, and the angel says, and they look up to God, and God says, she goes, yes, yes, that sin is forgiven. Now go make good choices. Now go, go make choices. <laughs> I love that. Yes, even that crazy, off-the-wall sin is forgiven. Matthew 9, 2 through 7 tells an amazing story about Jesus and the power he had to forgive sins. This is how it goes. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man laying on a mat. Dude was busted, okay? And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's funky because dude's legs are busted. He can't walk. You're going to tell him, take heart, your sins are forgiven. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's what Jesus said, so we're going to go with it. At this, some of the teachers of the law had some of the same feelings because they said to themselves, this fellow, Jesus, is blaspheming. He is a blasphemous dude. This is awful. And this is one of my favorite things, knowing their thoughts. Can I just pause for a second and tell you Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows. He knows every thought. He says, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? And then he asked the question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up, take up your mat and walk? Which is easier? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up and take up your mat and go home. Brother got up. Y'all, he was paralyzed, okay? Y'all, he could not walk. Brother got up and took up his mat and said, I'm going to get this step in. I know he was stepping too. He was probably like, got this. Watch me stepping out. He had a walk. He knew. And the truth of this whole story is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Another place in the scriptures it says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. All of it. He has enough to, to completely forgive your sins every time you sin. Lying, cheating, stealing, whatever. Name it. He can forgive it. And he will forgive it. And the forgiveness of sins brings healing. It brings deep healing for you and the person that you've wronged. And more importantly, for your relationship with God Almighty, the great I am. 
So what, is, what does that mean when we say salvation? What the heck is that even? That's a funky word, right? You don't hear that every day, right? What does that mean? The truth is that Jesus is enough to save you. Romans 3.21 says it this way, but now, as opposed to in the past, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This was the plan from a long time ago, right? The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to, what's the word? Oh, okay. So like just the people that like were Jewish or, or just the people who, who looked the right way or were from the right area? No. All who believe. Believe is very pivotal as well. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a me too statement. I did too. And also me, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's the good news. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now God presented himself as a sacrifice, presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. By faith. God gave us the law to help us recognize our need for him. God gave us the law, Paul says, is a schoolmaster, a teacher to bring us to Christ. The reason why we have the Old Testament is because we have so many pictures of what people breaking the law and how it shreds apart the fabric of relationships with God in the spirit realm and how it shreds apart relationships in the physical realm in the earth here below. The Old Testament demonstrates that throughout all of this, God had the law and all of these to point us all towards the Savior that would come in Christ Jesus, which we're about to celebrate next week with our new series called With Us. I hope you come and bring all your fam because it's going to be pretty amazing. No matter what you believe this morning, no matter where you're at, I want you to understand something very clearly. You will be held accountable to God. And how that makes you feel in your gut right now is probably a pretty good indication of where you're at on your spiritual journey. You will be held accountable to God. But the good news is that Christ is enough. Christ is enough to reconnect us to the Father because he is the atonement for our sins. I like it. One pastor said, it's at one mint. When Jesus became our atonement, we got to be at one with the Father. In other words, he paid for me choosing sin every time. He paid the price that I should pay before God. I should be called guilty and unholy and unworthy. But because of Christ's sacrifice, his blood on the cross shed for me, I no longer hold that guilt. I don't have to pay for that sin. He paid it for me. And he paid it for you too. It says in the, in the verse, it says that you are justified. I like another, another old pastor said, justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Justified, never sin. You are justified through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And it is enough. Your sins are covered. Here is what Jesus said of himself. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. I love this. 
picture of Jesus. And he says, the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. Christ is enough. Philip would hear Jesus say these words. He heard Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he would wonder what in the world Jesus was talking about that he would lay down his life. Think about this. These disciples didn't have any foreknowledge of Jesus' death. So they would say, what? Are you talking about Jesus? Lay down your life. You will lay it down so you can become king, right? And you will take out all these Romans, right? And then we're going to be stepping into the kingdom. There's going to be grapes, and we're going to celebrate, and it's going to be awesome. Philip had no clue. None. But we now know that Christ gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world. Number two, Christ is enough for your present. Christ is enough for your present. Philip turns along that shoreline, and he sees a young boy being led up to Jesus by Andrew. And Andrew says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will it go among so many? And all the eyes are on Jesus as he sits with his arms resting on his knees, surveying the crowd with a fatherly smile. And Jesus stands, and he says, here, have the people sit down. Have them sit down. And he nods to the boy and Andrew. And he takes the small basket, that small provision, and he gave Philip that kind of knowing smile and a nod. And he took those loaves in his open hands and he looks up to heavens and he just says, thank you. Thank you. And he begins to pass it out. And he passes some to each of the disciples, and they begin to pass it out. And it says that each person who is seated got more than enough. More than enough. Y'all, that's a hungry crowd. And that's two little teeny tiny, teeny tiny, teeny tiny fish and five little teeny tiny barley loaves. Y'all, I don't even like barley, let's be real. Barley is funky, but it became enough in the hands of Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough to provide for you physically. He will provide for your needs physically. Last week, we covered what Paul promised when he said, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All of them, not some of them, all. I love the word all in the Bible. All, all, all. It's awesome. Now this echoes Jesus' words about God's care for his creation. He says, I got you. He says, the sparrows and the grass don't worry or toil for food or clothes. So it follows that since God cares for such lowly things in creation, that he will also care for you. Yes, you. Even when you've overspent, even when you overreached, even when you've made bad choices. He will provide enough. When you come to him and you say, Father, forgive me. I need more. I need you. Be enough. The second and more exciting thing that God provides for us through Jesus is spiritual provision. 
He provides spiritually. Each of us need to be connected to God and others. That's true. And we were born for relationships. And your spiritual life is extremely important for your mental and physical well-being. You have a body. And you have a spirit. And you have mental capacities. And these three need each other. And when one is lacking, the other is lacking. And when your spiritual self is not quite right, you're going to feel it. But Jesus will supply you with number one, spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. That's peace and joy and comfort and guidance. And Jesus said this, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You will never walk alone. Never alone. When you follow Jesus Christ, when you say yes to Jesus, you get guidance because he is with you. The next thing Jesus said is that you can be fruitful when you abide in him. He said, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear, what's that? Much fruit. You will be fruity folks. And I don't mean church fruity. I mean the fruit of the spirit. You will be able to do that. But it also says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Which is why the next point is Jesus is enough to equip you. He is enough to equip you with divine power. I need divine power, y'all. When my three-year-old's screaming and I got a sermon to write and things aren't going right and people are crazy and my teenager's texting me for the hundredth time and our team needs answers on three different things and my life is upside down, I need divine power. Because Emma power would have me snapping and losing it and not getting it done. Y'all know what I'm saying, okay? I need divine power. And 2 Peter 1.3 said, His divine power. His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything. For a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So let's go backwards. His glory and his goodness gives us knowledge and we get to live a godly life. It was his glory and his goodness that paved the way. The next thing that he provides for us in this present spiritual realm is strength. When I don't feel like I can, he gives me strength and I can. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, but he said to me, and this is Paul talking, because Paul went to the Lord and said, yo, I got this thing, man. And it's driving me nuts. I want you to take it from me. I want you to make it better. Have y'all had to pray that to God? I want you to just take this. Just make this better. Just take this away. Take this desire from me. And then I won't have to sit anymore. Take this. Do this. Do this, God. But this is God's message to Paul and to us. My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. Why? Why is his power made perfect in our weakness? Because it keeps us relying on the source. 
It keeps us as the branch plugged into the vine because if we think we can do it on our own, then we'll go in our own power and we will be destroyed by the same sin that he freed us from. Number three, Christ is enough for your future. For your future, Philip is walking among the people, watching in awe. He is watching in awe as they eat as much as they want. Each one, they are chowing down on fish and bread. And he's like, what in the world? There's like 5,000 plus. And he is walking among them all from this little lunch that was given with thanksgiving. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he catches their attention. And he says, gather together the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. So Philip gets his basket and puts it on and the others do the same and he begins to go around and pick it up and with each piece he places in his basket, he grows more and more in awe of what is happening. He looks at Andrew who's doing the same thing and every time Andrew picks up something and puts it in the basket, he's like, man, this is crazy. I can't take it. This is nuts. Oh my gosh. And the 11 are all walking and doing this. And Peter finally returns to Jesus because he can't fit any more in his basket. And he looks around and all the 11 are full. Their baskets are completely full. And Peter looks down at his basket and a thought occurs to him. He says, I knew, I know I didn't have enough. I knew I didn't have enough. And Jesus knew he could provide more than enough. I knew I didn't have enough, but I knew. God knew. Jesus was testing me. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is enough for your eternity. He saves you from your past with a promise for a future that's forever enough. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and never go thirsty. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then he goes on to say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Forever, okay? Forever. That means you will not enter into what Revelations call the second death, that you will live forever when you partake in the life with Christ. Jesus said to the woman who was struggling desperately because her brother was dead, her sister was distraught, they didn't know what to do, and Lazarus lay in the tomb. He was dead four days and buried. And Jesus comes up to her and he says, listen to this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Say what? That's crazy. That's, wait, I'm going to read that again. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Okay. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her a question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? Eternity with God in sinless relationships is the promise of those who believe in Christ. What sin destroys in the future that God has planned for you in Christ Jesus will not exist. Can you fathom that for even just a brief second? No longer will you be tempted by making the bad choices. No longer will you suffer having to strive and figure out what's right. No longer will people hurt you and you will no longer hurt people. You will be one with the Father, one with Christ. I have faith for a future that is so much better than what we have here. I want to share with you something from the book of Revelation. Yes, that weird book at the end with all the dragons and the weird stuff. Totally weird. Can we just all admit together? Totally weird. It's okay. It has a purpose. Here's part of the purpose. This is a promise to you and to I to demonstrate that Christ is enough for our eternity. He gives us a picture of what's to come in the future. This is what is written for us. John said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. This is one of my favorite verses. You know why? I know this is silly and it weirds people out, but it says, and there was no longer any sea. There was no longer division between people. There is no longer any bodies of water separating. That means I can go see my friend Sam, who is from Britain, no planes needed. Yes! No boats. Great, because I puke on boats. No sea. It goes on to say, and then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I love it. One of our kids came up to me before church and she said, Pastor Emma, I have a question for you. I said, yes. What is your question? She said, was Jesus ever married? I love it. I love kids are asking these questions. And I said, no, baby. But the reason why is because we as the church are his bride. We are cared for by God. We are beautifully dressed for our relationship with Christ in the end. It goes on to say, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Let's go. No more separation. No more feeling sometimes like I can't get through a wall when I'm praying. No more feeling like I don't know where God is and I'm hurting and I'm scared. None of that ever again. It goes on to say, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Y'all catch that, right? I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give water without cost. And from the spring of the water of life, those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. That is the promise that you are secured in Christ for a forever home, never lonely again, never orphaned again, never apart from a father who loves you. I don't care if you've never had a father who loved you. I don't care if you've been estranged from your family. I don't care if you've lost your parents. In heaven, in Christ, you will have all you need for relationship. The bonus part is that you get to have everyone else who has also said yes. Everyone else who said yes to Jesus. And here's the promise that that awesome story which is not just a story where Philip comes up and he's got the basket. Did you catch what Jesus said? He said, let nothing be wasted. So I'm telling you this morning that there is no failure and there is no sin and there is no part of your past that when you surrender it to God will ever be wasted. If you bring him the crumbs of your life, he will gather them in and make it something meaningful. Your past can become purposeful when you recognize that Christ is enough and you give it all to him. Your present can be transformed by the divine power you need. Your present can be totally transformed and you can have every spiritual blessing, every one. Your future can be bright and beautiful with eternal relationships that will never, ever be tainted by sin. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, I'm back if maybe you've walked away and maybe you haven't been on track with God in your life. If you have your phone in your thinking that that might be you, if you feel in your spirit, if something's pricking in your heart and saying, I need to say yes to Jesus, or if you said yes at one point and you feel like, oh man, that's me, I need to say I'm back. I've been messing up and things are not right and I haven't trusted Jesus and I've gone my own way. If that's you, go ahead and get out your phone and get ready because we're going to have an opportunity for you to respond. On the night of Jesus' rest, Philip is there. Imagine this with me. Philip is there. And he's looking at the Lord. After all that he'd seen, after all that Jesus had said in every I am statement that he made, I am the bread of life. I am the vine. I am. I am. I am. Philip turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus' answer to Philip was this. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Philip thought he needed something else. Philip thought he needed another sign, maybe a little more revelation and that would suffice. Philip already had all he needs standing right in front of him, Jesus 
is enough. It's enough for me. He's enough for you. Jesus is enough. So here's the questions that you need to ask this morning. Do you believe that Jesus came and died for your past? The next question, second question to that is, have I repented and confessed and given my past to Jesus Christ? Have I done that? The second question is, have I placed my trust in Jesus to provide for my present physical and spiritual needs? Have I done that? Do I trust him? And the third question this morning, am I allowing Christ to transform me and transform my life knowing that Christ has secured a future for me? Am I living heaven-minded? These questions are important because Christ is really enough. But your faith is needed. You have to believe. You have to place your faith in Christ. Because on the day that you're accountable, God's going to say, hey, what did you do when you heard about my son Jesus who I sent? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? You're going to say, Jesus is my dude. I love him. We've been hanging out. And when I fell, he picked me up. And there he is right at your right hand. Can I have a hug now? I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So if, if you would just bow your head, I want to invite those of you who are asking Man, I need, that, I need that relationship with Jesus. I want to say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand for a second? I just want to see who in here is saying yes to Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm going to pray with you, and you don't have to pray exactly what I pray, but in your heart and in your spirit, because remember, Jesus knows your thoughts. I want you to say something like this. Jesus. I believe. I believe that you're more than enough for my past. Forgive me of my sins. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn and I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to repent of my sins. That means I'm going to just turn around. And Father, I place all my faith in what you did through Jesus Christ on that cross. Thank you that you gave it all for me. I'm going to give it all back to you. If you said yes and you prayed that with me this morning, congratulations, this is the best day of your life. I would love for you to connect with us so that we can help you walk through your journey with Jesus and help you know more and just to have a family around you. So if you would, you can text, that's me to 94000, or you can just scan that QR code with your phone and that will pop up a text for you with the right code in it, just hit enter and then give us your information and we will just text you this week. It's no pressure. No problem, no pressure. 
if you're here this morning and, and you need to start fresh with God, if this has clicked something in your heart and you're like, man, there's something going on and I've got to come back. I've got to get this back. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you as well. So if you would just respect those around you and just give them some privacy and close your eyes and bow your head in reverence and just, just think for a second. If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up for me? If you need to recommit and say, God, I'm back. I'm back. Thank you, God. I'm back. I'm coming back to you. I thank you, Jesus. Pray with me. God, I'm, I want to come back. I want, I want to settle my past. I need your presence right here, right here with me right now. I want the future that you've secured for me. I'm back. I recommit my life to you. Jesus, do with me as you see fit, and I will turn. I will turn and follow. If that's you this morning, you have your very own QR code just for you, or you can text, I'm back to 94,000. And if you're listening to this um, online later, please don't hesitate to respond by texting then too for all of those people who listen online. We do follow up with you, and we are so honored that you would listen um, every week. Guys, I'm so, so honored to be able to share with you what Jesus has done for me. I'm not telling you these things because it ain't happened to me. Y'all, I was jacked up before Jesus. And I'm so glad that he set me free and that he allows me to share with you every week truths that really can transform your life. I am just so grateful. Thank you for coming and allowing me the privilege of talking to you about God, to sharing about Jesus. I'm going to pray with you. Father, I thank you so much for these amazing people. God, would you let this word resonate throughout their week and throughout their their life. As they go into Thanksgiving, let them just rejoice and give you thanks that you have provided us with a way. We thank you, God, for all that you've done and for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m., in Seaford, Delaware, at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.